following podcast is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, everybody. It's June. Are you excited? Is it June? It is June. Are you sure that it's it's June already? The first. All right. Today. It is June the first. How much fun is summer going to be this summer? I think we're going to have a really good time. It's already gotten started. Uh, Exactly. Memorial Day was just this past weekend. We had a great uh, weekend at Easy Street. I know uh, a lot of crowded folks and and the out of towners are definitely here. So it's going to be a fun Mm -hmm. Touristy summer in Cherokee County, Alabama. Oh, the yeah. traffic is already terrible. Yeah. I was trying to pull across nine coming out of Jake's to get to the other side, and I sat there for probably 10 minutes, and yeah. you don't sit anywhere for 10 minutes in Cherokee County unless you're behind a tractor. Yeah, or out of gas. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> and then it could be longer. It could be. Sometimes. Well, welcome, everybody, and we welcome you to June 2022. It's going to be the best summer ever. Best summer ever. I've well, already coined it. Why are you so excited? I don't know. Do we want to tell them about your uh, slip and fall that you have? We can tell them that. Okay. Go ahead, Scott. Well, uh, I didn't do it. I wasn't there. But apparently, uh, Kelly came in just a few minutes ago and said, wow, guys, I can't show you, but I have this terrific bruise on my ass (laughs) from falling out of my car last week when it was slippery in my garage. I did. I fell all the way down. So, kablooey. It was raining, and I stepped down out of my car into the garage, and I just... Went straight down. Kept going. Yep. I hit my hiney on the garage mm. floor and my shoulder in back on the um, the stepping board. Gravity is going to win that one every time. Every time. This bruise that I have is so impressive. And you won't show us. I can't show you because I would have to show you my butt. But it is <laughs> so impressive. It's the most impressive bruise well, I've ever had. You've done that figuratively many times. Maybe literally wouldn't be so out of character for you that you... Should be surprised. Oh, wow. Exactly. All right. My name is Kelly Turner, and I am not a doctor. My name is Scott Wright. I'm a mediocre journalist. I'm Katie Givens, and I'm not a lawyer. And today, as we move into, once again, if you didn't catch that, it's June. As we move into uh-huh. June, we're going to switch gears. I know May was Murdoch May. All of those episodes are out now. A lot of Murdoch streaming. stuff. Mm-hmm. Parts one through four. Go back and check them out if you haven't already. Um, but today, we are going to come back to the state of Alabama. We're going right. to go local again. Mm-hmm. Uh, South Carolina is not that far, but it wasn't local. We usually stick to, unless it's just one of those big nationwide cases like the Zodiac or uh, the H.H. Holmes thing that we've done. Mm-hmm. We usually stick to the Southeast. And, yeah. And we all started out with just strictly Alabama stories. That was our mm-hmm. modus operandi to begin with. And so we're back in, the, in our home state for today's episode. We are. And let's face it, there's enough crazy crime in the South for us to stay we, here for a while. We needn't have ever left. <laughs> right here Alabama. at home. Yep. <laughs> so Scott yes. is in the driver's seat today. He's done the research and this case is actually, not only is it local to the state of Alabama, but it is very recent. Mm-hmm. So take it away, Scott. All right. So uh, let me just give you guys a little bit of a background here. Who knows who Chris Stapleton is? The the country singer? I do. Yeah. Okay. Um, he started out in a bluegrass band called the Steel Drivers. He's 44 today, a singer-songwriter, very successful, eight Grammy Awards. But back in 2008, when he was the lead singer of a group called the Steel Drivers, they had this fantastic song titled, If It Hadn't Been For Love. And it's this ballad, slow bluegrass about a guy who finds himself in a jail cell, thinking about all of the trouble that love has gotten him into. 
Ooh, that is a good song. Yeah, it's a very good song. And I heard it over the weekend and I was trying to come up with a way to introduce this episode. And I thought, you know, I wonder if poor old Vicky White knew the words to that song mm-hmm. because uh, it seems like love is what got her into the trouble that she was in. She formed a special relationship, it was called, with this man named Casey Cole White, a a bad dude. And their their last names are both white, but no relation. No relation. Just a, before the Alabama jokes start flying, yeah. let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. Yeah, and I wonder if, if Vicky knew that song before she passed away, because there's a line in the song that says, four cold walls without parole. Lord have mercy on my soul. And I thought about Vicky White, because over the previous 10 days, right before her life ended on... May the 9th, she must have been thinking about what was going to happen to her if she did get caught and have to come back home because mm-hmm. she was going to spend years sitting in a jail cell. And it could have even been the jail cell that she used to work at uh, or the jail, the county jail in Lauderdale County, which is up close to Florence, because that's where she would have been brought back to. And she had been a jailer there for 17 years, mm-hmm. trusted, loving, capable assistant jailer at Lauderdale County, which if you don't know is in the Florence area, close to Muscle Shoals. Okay. If you're a music fan, we've already talked about Chris Stapleton, uh, and maybe you are familiar with some of the folks who have recorded at Muscle Shoals Sound Studio over the years, Bob Dylan, uh, Leonard Skinner, of course. So that's the area of the state where this happened. Even if you don't know the state, you've probably heard of Muscle Shoals. And Muscle Shoals Sound Studio is actually two miles from the Lauderdale County Jail. Okay. So they're all right there together. Casey White was 39 years old when all of this happened on April the 29th, when it all started. Uh, he's a big guy, six foot nine, over three hundred pounds, covered in white supremacist tattoos. Oh six foot nine, six nine, over three hundred pounds. Wow. Uh, Vicky White, on the other hand, five five, one fifty, and walked with a waddle. Walked she was a- described a waddling gait was the way she was described. Okay, so she had a very distinctive walk. A distinctive walk. So that's something that came out after all of this was perpetrated on April the twenty ninth to help to help people maybe spot them in a crowd. Um. But the reason that the two of them know each other, knew each other, was because back in 2015, big old Casey White was arrested after being involved in a two-state crime spree. It started in northeast Alabama, or northwest Alabama, went into southern Tennessee. It included a home invasion, two carjackings, and multiple shootings that left a woman injured and a dog dead. So I already don't like this guy. He killed a dog. He killed a dog. Oh. So he was booked into the Limestone County, Alabama jail for that crime back in 2015. Uh, And specifically, the charges were first degree burglary, first degree robbery, first degree theft, attempted first degree murder, attempted carjacking, carjacking, theft, and animal cruelty. Oh, my goodness. So he's in jail for that. He's serving a 75-year sentence for those crimes. When in 2020, he, for some reason, reaches out to the folks in Lauderdale County in a letter and says, hey, I committed a murder for hire scheme back in your county and I want to come there and, and, and adjudicate this, go through the court system and nobody to this day knows why he confessed to those crimes. There certainly has been some speculation that he did it because he wanted to get into the Lauderdale County Jail where possibly he could escape with the help of Vicki White. But the the district attorney in Lauderdale County, his name is Chris Connolly, he says, I don't think that's what happened. I don't think they knew each other. I don't think the reason that he confessed was so they could start working on this escape plan. I think the escape plan happened after they got to know each other. So do they think that he, and, and let me know, Scott, if I'm sure. getting ahead of myself. Oh, no. Do they think that he confessed to, did he feel like this 
jail would be better than where he was. Yes, or, that was okay. one thing. So supposedly he was in the, uh, I forget the name of the state, Morrison, the Morrison State Prison. It's in Bessemer, the Bessemer area, which is... So he was in prison. He was in prison. And now he's getting to come back to county jail. So Correct. that's already better. Yes. Yeah, he'd already well, been attacked three times in the Morrison Correctional Facility in Bessemer, which is close to Birmingham. Not necessarily better, but it definitely easier to escape a county jail than it is to escape a prison. Yeah, and probably, you know, the, the, the Lauderdale County Jail only holds about 300 people. I'm sure that that Bessemer, that state-level correctional facility was horribly overcrowded. So he's got a little bit more leeway, a little bit better food, maybe, to come back to Lauderdale County. Maybe not. And didn't you say he had been attacked? Three times his mother later told authorities he had been stabbed three times while he was in the state prison. So he wanted to get out of there. He was willing to do anything, his mother said, to get out of there. So maybe he really committed this murder. Maybe he didn't. Well, you said he's he's covered in white supremacist tattoos. Correct. Okay, yeah. That could have been a a problem. That might have had something to do with it as well. Um, so anyway, that gets us to 2020, and so that's probably where the two of them meet at the Lauderdale County Correctional Facility, and they find out later that what they refer to as a special relationship developed between the two. More food on his plate. Maybe he didn't have to walk around with the shackles like some of the other inmates did. It was obvious to the other inmates there that Vicki White was giving Casey White some special treatment. So he flirted his way to get what he wanted. Correct. To the point in their special relationship where Casey's mother says that at one point, Vicki came to visit his grandchild. He's still incarcerated, but he calls his mother and says, hey, my friend is coming over. She wants to meet my two-year-old grandson. So she shows up shortly after, visits. The mom says she didn't stay very long, but she thought it was odd. And sure. Yeah, right? Yeah, and, I agree with mom. Yeah, uh, totally. And after that, she started to send presents to the two-year-old grandson and to Casey White's 12-year-old son uh, that he had from a previous marriage. So uh, the mother knew that, she had a, that he had a special friend. She did not know, she said later, that she was a jailer oh, okay. or what her name was or anything about her other than she, it was her special friend. She didn't know her name? special friend. Well, I think maybe it was a different name. I think Vicki White probably used an alias just in case somebody connected the dots because she used an alias when she called him or when they spoke on the phone in prison, Mm -hmm. when he was in prison. This is definitely a conflict of interest because of her job. Yes. Yes. And probably breaking a rule. I don't know if it's breaking a law, but it's a a jail rule. (laughs) It is um, illegal for jailers and correctional officers of any kind and inmates to have a relationship. Well, that is a law we got right. Yeah, we got that one. Mm-hmm. Way to go, Alabama legislature. Mm-hmm. That's one well, in a row. It's because that an incarcerated person can't technically consent to the relationship with the That is that is jailer. absolutely true. Yeah, I mean you're in a cage. Yeah. Could be against your will. All right, so that gets us to that two year period between when he confesses to this murder for hire of a woman named Connie Jane Ridgeway. She was found stabbed and killed in her apartment in Rogersville, Alabama. And so he, he confesses to this. He says that he was hired to kill her, which the DA, DA Connolly says that's horseshit. We're just going to prosecute him for the murder and not for this alleged murder for hire scheme that he claims is the reason why he did it. So that gets us to April the 29th, the two years of back and forth in the, court, uh, in the courtroom in Lauderdale County. And that's when this relationship develops. So on April the 29th, Vicki White puts Casey White into the back of her patrol car ostensibly to take him to the courthouse because he needs to uh, have a mental health evaluation conducted on him. Although we find out later there was no mental health evaluation scheduled for that day. 
But this is Vicky's job and her position at the jail is she transports inmates to That's, court. Right. So it wasn't strange well, at it, all. For only in one aspect was it strange because the, 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 the sheriff's department has a policy where you never, there's only, there's never only one deputy. Right. Mm-hmm. There's always two, but this day everybody distrusted Vicky. That's how trusted and loved and uh, professional she had always been at her job. So nobody thought twice about the fact that she, or if they did, they didn't think three times about it. Well, and I think in hindsight, everybody can can say, you know, just talking about the size of the difference in the two right. individuals, it just sounds like a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. However, he's locked in. He's in the back. Right. Am I correct? Yes, He's that is handcuffed. correct. Yeah, you can He's watch the footage. Or she, or she pulls the car into the it's sally port outside the jail and uh, leads him out, puts him in the back. It's very casual. You wouldn't know anything untoward was going on just from the video. And of course, I'm sure she thought that through. Mm-hmm. And obviously, and no one in the jail knew this relationship was nobody. going on. And it's nobody probably knew. not very far to the courthouse. No, it's like a mile away. Right. So, and so, really. you know, you're just... Yeah. And so she tells uh, her coworkers, look, I'm going to take him over for this mental health evaluation. And then I, I'm not feeling well today. I'm going to go to the doctor afterwards. So I'll be back after that. Now, the other thing to know is that Vicki White has turned in her retirement papers. Friday, April the 29th was her last day on the job. That she put him in this car. Yes. She had sold her house a few weeks earlier. She'd been living with her mother for the last five weeks because she had sold her house okay. for less than market value. She got about $95,000 for her house and the four acres of property that she lived on. Again, nobody knows this until later. She never even told her mother. During a real estate boom, she has taken under market value for her home and land. Yes, that is correct. So that... But she's not telling anybody this. No. I mean, her mother knows that she sold her house, but... She doesn't know any of the odds and ends right. for a red flag to be raised. Yes. Is what I'm she saying. tells everybody, hey, I'm going to retire and I'm headed to the beach, uh, sold my house. See you guys later. I'm out of here. The dream that, Sounds that I have. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have the, one of these days. Me too. But like, how old are you, Scott? 52 years old. Well, Vicky was 56, yes. which is four years before her retirement benefits would have even became available to her from... Okay, so that's yeah. a red flag. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So people at work might think that's a red flag. Yeah. Or but maybe I, they think, hey, uh, I'm, I'm retiring four years early. I can afford to do it. I'm headed to the beach. And in four years when I run out of money from selling my house, yeah, my retirement will kick in. Yeah, that's easily- I can see there's a plan. That's easily explained away. Yeah, yeah. Right. So there was no one to raise a red flag. We're, no. we're in hindsight, we're picking up on those red right. flags. Yeah. But at the, in real time, when this was playing out- she was leaving out details. It took a while. Uh, it took a day or two for authorities to finally realize they started doing these investigations. They talked to the inmates. They found out about the special relationship. Uh, they saw the patrol car parked in a shopping center parking lot right in town eventually that afternoon or the next day. So he day. never makes it to the courthouse. There was no appointment for the courthouse at okay. all. So she, she has parked a getaway car in that parking lot. The previous night she stayed at a, at a motel across the street, walking distance from this parking lot. Okay. So she parks the patrol car. She and Casey White get into a, wait for it, metallic orange 2007 Ford Edge, one of the ugliest cars to ever roll off an assembly line anywhere in the world. And I know that because I used to drive one and I hated it every day. <laughs> that is, that's not an unassuming car. It's that's not. Easily- Was this her car? It was a car that she purchased with some of the money that she got from selling she her She had house. just recently purchased yeah, this the, car. Yeah, the actual color of the car, and I looked it up on the Ford Motor Company website, blazing copper metallic. Okay. So I would want... Not only is it a boxy, white. ugly car, it's a bright, orange, blazing, copper metallic, ugly, boxy car. 
I would want a car that was a little less noticeable. So I said this to Katie last week. There wasn't a white Honda Accord anywhere available in North Alabama because every fifth car on the highway is a white Honda Accord. And and the other amongst the other five are is a Camry. Yeah. I mean, also white. Mm-hmm. I mean, get a white car at least just to blend into traffic. Yeah, if you're in the South, yeah, you have a white car. Big time. Mm-hmm. Most people. Yeah, except Katie, who has a black car, just yeah. said that. Mm-hmm. And I have a silver car. And you have a white car. I so do. out of the I three do. of us, we do have- I have a black car like on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a dark color car one time. Yeah. And I never could keep it clean. It drove me insane. Right. I never again. Oh, yeah. Don't look at mine parked outside the back door. It's terrible. <laughs> Well, I'm going to look at it now on the way out. Well, I, well I'm not going to, I hopefully, I, I should never say never, but I, I don't ever want to own this color of a vehicle that Vicky White. No, and you, you know what purchased. I noticed? Uh, I, I've seen a couple of those very same vehicles, just the way I described Ford Edge, that metallic, blazing copper metallic, driving around in the county in just the past few days. Because you've read about it, so yes. now you see it. Like when you get a new car now, everybody's driving the same thing you are, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. So mm-hmm. anyway, so that's what... They left Florence, Alabama in, headed north. Okay. Uh, so you can see where there were some problems with the planning. They got to the point where they walked out the door and they had a plan, it seems like. Maybe she had a plan. Her, uh, his mother says there's no way that he was able to do this because he's paranoid schizophrenic. I'm sorry, bipolar and schizophrenic, diagnosed when he was 18. As long as he was on his medications, he was fine. He was normal. His lawyer said the same thing. But as soon as he got off his medications, he became erratic. He usually tried to self-medicate with methamphetamine or something, and that just amplified his mm. uh, mental uh, deficiencies. Mm-hmm. And she said, I don't, he, he, he lived his entire life from moment to moment. So she didn't even think that possibly he knew what was happening or what was about to happen when he got put into the patrol car. So, we'll never know. Or maybe surely we he was still medicated, though. Going to, you would think so at the jail. I think I disagree at that point with mom. Well, I mean, I I, I've That's agreed a mom with being mom, a mom up to a certain point. And she certainly wanted to look out for her son, and she certainly knows his history of mental health issues. Right. If, if he's in jail, he should be getting his medications. Forced to take his... Okay. Because they those do kind not of want okay. this on their watch. They don't want these sure. issues. You know, we've had... Cases previously, the the guy from Mentone, uh, Bissell, the the difference night and day, Jekyll and Hyde, yes, from when he was on his medication to when he was not, possibly a similar situation with with Casey White, possibly. So, okay. um, it turns out that they ditched that car. Maybe they had the same thought that we did, or maybe Casey White realized, hey, you bought the worst getaway car in the history. This of is getaways. horrible. They can see us. There's actually a picture that you can find on AL.com's website, which is where I got a lot of the information that I'm uh, repeating to you today. So thanks to all the guys for doing a great job at AL.com on this story. But you can see a photo where they actually try to spray paint this this Ford Edge like a a, a forest green color. Oh, wow. And they got about a patch about the size of a basketball painted and they realized this is going to take forever. Let's just ditch it. So that car got ditched the very same day that they left, it turns out. So okay. they drove north. They end up in Williamson County, Tennessee. That's about two hours north of Florence. And it's about 20 or 30 miles south of downtown Nashville, Tennessee, just to kind of put you on the map and get you in the area where we are. So. That's where the Ford Edge was found, abandoned on the side of a rural road, possibly because of car trouble. But they didn't steal a car. They bought a pickup truck for $6,000. And they continued to head north. This entire, by now, everybody knows what's going on. Governor Kay Ivey has uh, released a 
reward mm. announcement. Oh my goodness! The U.S. Okay. Marshal Service is getting involved. If uh, you justified fans out there, uh, Raylan Givens was on the job. Oh my gosh! Or at least and, someone uh, who dressed like him probably was. Yeah, and Kay Ivy made a made a public <clears throat> statement. Yeah, she did. <laughs> but they got a six hour head start because it took six hours before they realized the disappearance. Exactly when she didn't come back and she didn't answer the phone, they started to put together. And initially, they thought that Casey White had possibly kidnapped her. That yes. we, I remember that coming out, and yeah. everybody was just convinced he yeah. he overpowered her, and and it, we've got a problem. Logical. We've got a hostage. This is this is bad. Yeah, they were hoping that they would find her alive, uh, unharmed by this guy, and it turns out, of course, that she orchestrated. She was involved in the planning of she him. Did, she did everything. Well, she bought the car. She sold her house. She snuck him out. I mean, it was, and the thing that you will find out. From Rick Singleton, he was the sheriff, uh, is the sheriff in Lauderdale County. Everybody was just dumbstruck by the fact that she did this. They they loved her to death. They trusted her with everything. No indication at all that anything was going on. They hid it very well. Mm-hmm. But then it kind of started to come apart. Yeah, I mean, because like, like I said, when it first came out, they knew for sure that she helped him escape. But they, they were all just terrified for her until the arrest warrant was issued for her. Right. Yeah. Mm. She's, and she's looking at 10 years at the time. So, uh, 10 years is the, uh, penalty for helping a felon escape. And he is a, he's a convicted felon. He's a confessed murderer. He's supposed to go on trial later this month for that crime. And I think that's still on, but I'll get to that. I'm in sure a it is. Yeah. Cause she also had some charges of forgery and identity theft. So like mm-hmm. she, I guess she was using an alias. Yeah. She, when she signed up for the motel room where she stayed the night before, she used an alias. Oh, okay. So just to, to make it as hard as possible, when they started to put the, the pieces together to make sure. it hard to find out where she maybe started from. That was April the 29th. They found that Ford Edge the next day, but nobody put those pieces together for a week. It was a week later when they finally learned about the Ford Edge I guess they saw the security camera footage from somewhere in that shopping center parking lot mm. and it turned up in Tennessee. So they figure out the direction that they're headed okay. and that's all they know at this point. So the manhunt continues. And then on Tuesday, May the third, a man named James Stinson, who was the manager of the, of one of those self-serve car washes. We have them around here. You put the coins in and you have the spray gun and you do it yourself. So there was a Ford F-150 pickup truck pulled into one of the bays of this do it yourself car wash that had been sitting there all day. Now, this is another 175 miles from where the Ford was abandoned. Evansville, Indiana is about 100,000 people just across the uh, Ohio River, I think, uh, from Kentucky, right in the just very southern Indiana. He calls the police, this car wash owner, James Stinson. The cops come out. They can't tow the car for 48 hours, so Stinson has it towed himself. So he pulls it to a car lot somewhere. He just thought it was really weird. It was sitting there with the keys in the ignition, abandoned all day long. So he has it towed. Nobody has put this together yet. That is weird. So, and, and Stinson said later, good grief, why didn't they just park it across the street at, a, at this shopping center? It would have sat there for days and nobody would have noticed. Yeah. Instead, they left it in my car wash. You know, I think we've all pointed out things like what? Why did they? I get just not very well planned out. It seems like. Yeah. And there's even there. So when the when the marshals find out about this odd pickup truck that's been abandoned, they go to Mister Simpson. They ask to see his security footage, and sure enough, there's a six foot nine white dude named White with white supremacist tattoos all over his body, climbing out of that truck, getting into a silver gray Cadillac. It's more gray than silver. 
a gray Cadillac four-door vehicle car and driving away. And that was on May the 9th. That was the same day that the manhunt ended. So the APB goes out, I guess, to the local authorities. Hey, be on the lookout for this gray Cadillac. And it's really happenstance how they found him because uh, obviously it was on their radar, said the Evansville police assistant chief, whose name was Philip Smith. Everybody be on the lookout for this gray Cadillac. And it wasn't too long before one of the patrol officers at the Motel 41, room 150, at the Motel 41, because there is a line of 60 people waiting to stay in that room now. The, The true crime nuts around the country have called this motel and want their turn staying in room 150 where Casey White and Vicki White spent their last night. And they've raised the rate for that room now a whole 12 more dollars than the normal room cost at this motel. Normal room is $63 a night, but room 150 is 75 Sounds like a ripoff. Which must be, there must be like a cap on how much you can differentiate room prices because why wouldn't they charge more than yeah. that, you know? If they yeah. have 65 people waiting in line for it. I think I would have charged a little bit more. Uh, but anyway, that gets us. So when they, they see the car, the police see the car, the, the gray Cadillac, and they set up surveillance. And it's not too long before Casey White and Vicki White come out and get into the car. And they don't know for certain if they have been spotted, if they're leaving on purpose, but they did pay for the room for 14 days. And this is day six of their stay. So it seems like they suspected that something was up. I'm sure they're paranoid and looking out the window and, hey, there's a, you know, every police car looks like a police car. So if it's sitting over there for hours, pointed at them with dark windows that nobody can see through, you got to start thinking, hey, maybe that's the cops and they've, they've got us staked out, which turned out to be the case. So they hop in the car. Vicki White is driving. They hop in the car and, and a chase ensues. It doesn't last for very long. At some point, Casey, uh, uh, Vicki White drives the car into a grassy area to try to cut through a parking lot to get to a side road. She doesn't realize that there's a four-foot-deep ditch at the very end of this grassy area. Oh, the cops are right on their tail, and she stops the car, and the police just start crashing into it with their mm-hmm. prowlers. Their so they, they can't vehicles. go anywhere. Yeah, so they capture it. They get it surrounded and kind of push it over and it ends up kind of sliding off into the ditch and it ends up on its side. The mm-hmm. car does. Mm-hmm. And that's a technique we've talked about on this show before. It is? The, the, where they hit the, the police will hit the cars. Oh yeah. Like the, the, to try to spin it out. To try, mm-hmm. Yeah. Pick move or whatever. We need mm-hmm. to this talk a little to Stacey bit different, Smith about I guess. that. This is a little bit, yeah, Stacy would know, but this is a little bit different but yes, along those same lines, mm-hmm. something very similar to that. So mm-hmm. there is a seven minute and 20 second, 911 call. Vicki White places a call to 911 and it goes to Evansville Central Dispatch. And that's seven minutes and 20 seconds long. And the call begins with the police cars ramming into the Cadillac. Oh my goodness. And I guess the phone ends up on the floor. So it just, it stays active for the entire duration of this. Oh my goodness. Capture. Mm-hmm. And you can hear her talking to Casey White saying we should get out and run. At one point, you hear her say, my finger's on the trigger. And then at the end of the call, you can hear deputies trying to make sure that they have secured the weapon from her hand before they try to pull her out because they don't know if she's conscious or unconscious. But it turns out that she has taken that gun in the last few seconds of her life and put it right under her chin and pulled the trigger, Mm. leaving an exit wound on the top of her head. You hear them say at one point during this was was Casey call. still in the car when she did this? I think they had, I, I guess they were still in the car together. Maybe he got out first and she, you know, she's sitting there alone and she's thinking, well, hell, 
I've screwed I'm, this up. I'm not going back. I can't I go back and face my parents or my mother and my coworkers and Sheriff Singleton with what I have done because I have betrayed everyone's trust and mm-hmm. I'm a wanted felon now. Oh, so, so sad. that's how her life ends. Oh. And Casey White, they get him out of the car and he says, I guess he was inside the car when this happened because he says to the deputies, my wife shot herself. I didn't shoot her. Yeah, he does call her his wife. Yeah. And that is not true. They are not married. Not married. But but he does refer to her as his wife. And he said the same thing to his mother several times in phone conversations. He referred to her as, she said he never called her by her name. He always called her honey or sweetie. But he did on a couple of occasions refer to her as his wife. Okay. So, And at this point, he's just, he doesn't want them to think that he's armed and has correct. murdered someone. And he's just trying to save his own life at this point. Yeah. Like, don't. Don't shoot. I didn't shoot her. Right. So they eventually get a, they get a search warrant pretty quickly and they uh, pop open the trunk of the car and they find an AR-15, which is a semi-automatic weapon. They find a shotgun. Both of those weapons, it turns out, were purchased by Vicki White in recent weeks before the escape. Casey White says that he envisioned a shootout to the death with the police. That, that's how they were going to go out, literally in a blaze of glory. And apparently she had signed on to this as well. Yeah, if she's purchasing these guns, I mean, she's on board with this. I don't know. Maybe she had, maybe she had a terminal illness and just wanted to have one last adventure. I mean, it sounds morbid and ridiculous, but who knows? Now, we'll they, never know. Have they conducted an autopsy? They did, and they determined Vicky. it was a self-inflicted but, gunshot wound, but I don't know about anything else. I was going to say, did they find I think the anything? Focus, I think the focus was just on her method of trying to figure death. out did she shoot herself or did right. he shoot and her? they determined that she died by suicide okay. but they found the the weapons they found there were twenty nine thousand dollars left in the trunk of the car uh from the ninety five thousand which is not got. a ton of money not really not what? that that's not gonna last you very long i always, to- I always make a joke at closings like because we have to offer something called closing protection which would if if I were to run off with your money, ah, right. and I'm and I always make a joke, I don't think I can get very far on this amount, right? You know, because yeah. you can't. Yeah, it just makes. I mean, they no. they spent six thousand bucks on that pickup truck that they found at the car wash. Don't know how much the Ford Edge cost, two thousand seven Ford Edge. You have to think it's not much more than eight or ten grand. Uh, not really sure where the other money went. Maybe they left some with the with his family. Who knows? I'm I'm sure it'll come out in the wash. But like you said a minute ago, Kelly, this all happened so recently. I mean, the escape happened on April the 29th, and then the the manhunt ended on May the 9th. So that was 11 days altogether that this was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just it's all just brand new and recent. There have been some developments. There was a there was a press conference last week. A an attorney in Huntsville named Mark McDaniel held this press conference on Wednesday, May the 26th, to announce that his office will be handling Casey White's, he's been hired by Casey White's mother and daughter, I think, or maybe sister, to represent Casey White in the escape case, not the murder case, but in the escape case. Uh, There will be a preliminary hearing on June the 20th, and that is a uh, probable cause hearing with a judge, I guess, right, Katie? Uh, Related to the escape case. Yeah, my theory is that they'll pro- he'll probably say that she forced him to come along. It it will certainly uh, because when you she's have not a dead here witness, to def- yeah, she's not here to defend herself. I just that's that's my guess. It's funny you said that because the attorney said we can't tell you our story right now, but I promise you we have a story to tell. Sure you do. Okay. Sure you do. And that's your job. He's already received physical threats to his life and property. And his response to that was, quote, it's not going to make a damn bit of difference. 
If you want to do that, keep doing it. We're going to give this man the best defense we can give him. And his voice was rising and he was, you could tell he was getting angry when he was talking. Well, that's his job. That, that is. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, we're all entitled to a, to and a competent defense. defense. Yeah. You know what, guys? Just chill out. Yeah. I mean, stop people get wrapped different. up about stuff. Just mm-hmm. the, the people the system will hear, work. Let's wait and hear everything. Mm-hmm. Let's hear what the story is. But I also want to just say to to people who find themselves in Vicky's shoes and decide, hey, I'm going to help this person escape and we're going to go out in a place of glory. Let's rethink that. Mm-hmm. Can we go back and just think about that a little bit? It doesn't because usually now involve- look at look at this. Did he care anything about her? First thing he does is get out of the car and go, I didn't shoot her. Yeah, and now, no remorse, no probably, tears in his eyes. Probably in court, he's going to throw her completely under the bus, blame it all on her. Yeah. He doesn't. They don't care about you. Can well, I just say that? His mother says that it, she has spoken to him twice since this all happened by telephone. He's back in, he's not back in the Limestone County, I'm sorry, the Lauderdale County Jail now. He's back at the Morrison Correctional Facility in Bessemer. That's, they put him back there. Okay. A little bit more secure, obviously. So, but she has spoken to her son twice, she said in a, in a story that I read a couple of days ago. And she said that he was heartbroken, that he was crying about okay. her loss. Well, he may be. He was so sad that he can never find anybody that, you know, just the, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're single and you don't want to be the things that we've all said when we were single in our lives and didn't want to be. And that's mm-hmm. what it sounds like this guy was I'm going I'm always through. shocked by individuals in prison who are single and don't want to be and end up not being single. Mm-hmm. I'm very fascinated by that. I'm fascinated by this because how, how, that's the question. How, right. how did, are you that charming? Is she that lonely? Some combination of the two. What it started happened? out, mom said it started out as a pen pal type relationship. Like okay. when he would go back, when he would come to visit in Lauderdale County, he would get a little bit more food on his plate. He'd get a little bit of special treatment according to the other inmates who were there. Then when he would go back to the state facility mm-hmm. in Bessemer, they would stay in touch with letters. And we used to, before I became the managing editor of the Post Herald, we had a paper called The Post, which was around for 30 years here in the county. And we had a section in our free classifieds of um, prisoners who were requesting pen pals. And we ran those short letters in our free classified section. And it was always a topic of discussion. Anytime I was out and about, somebody inevitably every week would say, Holy cow, did you see the latest thing in your? Free classified section about the jail inmates. Because, you know, it's single white female, 45, likes long, cold walks on the beach, or long walks on the beach. And I'm thinking, how long has that been? <laughs> yeah. You know, probably. Uh, love to cook, love to go to the movies. Again, nope and nope. Uh, you know, not going to be, I'll get out in six months, write me a letter, here's my inmate number. And it happens. I mean, I guess, yeah, look, it's, it happens all the time. Like Johnny Cash said, if you're in prison time, just keeps dragging on. Well, and Ted Bundy even found someone. Well, he, he was, was a good looking prison. guy. He was, he was very charming. Yeah. Yeah. Ted Bundy was a little bit better looking. He wasn't 6'9 and covered in was. white supremacist tattoos. That's true. That is that is very true. But, but it's whatever. still just fascinating to me. And was Casey White charming? Is his personality, I mean, charming? His attorney said at one point that if he's on his medication, he's the nicest guy you've ever met in your life. And so, like Katie said a minute ago, he's probably being forced to take those medications while he's incarcerated. So, yeah. So, maybe he was very kind to her. 
What else do we know about Vicki White? There's really not a lot. Has she ever been married? Uh, She was single. I don't know if she was divorced. I think she was divorced. No children, right? Yeah, no, yep. Um, And her coworkers said that she was a a really nice lady, very well respected, but she was also someone who was very private. In fact, I think it was her, her husband passed away a few years ago, and it was her former mother-in-law that said that she was a nice person and a great person, but she was also very private. You never knew what her, you never knew what was going on in her head, if she had any troubles, she kept them to herself. So just a very private person who went to work. Uh, she had been there for 17 years, I think. So she was in her late thirties when she got that job and was just a, she was work Vicky. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I tell and so all my- for her to say, I'm going to, this guy has a mental health evaluation. I'm going to take him and then do and, and Go no to the one doctor. Thought, I'll see you later. No one thought twice about any of this even though the policy is it should be two people right she was like second person in charge at the jail she was the assistant so they didn't they okay jailer okay gotcha everybody just waved their hand she'd been there probably longer than anybody else who she was in the office with that morning so you certainly trust the most experienced person in your office you take them at their word Mm -hmm. fine we'll do it your way vicky and that's what happened okay speaking of experienced people uh, there is a little hometown connection to this case. Oh, yeah. We almost forgot that. Good job. Good job. The U.S. Marshal whose vehicle collided with the White's vehicle, uh, his name was, it's Marshal Marty Keeley, which is, if you're friends of the show, you know Hubie Latham mm-hmm. and his wife, Carolyn. Hubie? Who was Carolyn Keeley, now Carolyn Latham. This Why is her dad. Why am I not surprised dad. that Hubie is connected Hubie's to this father-in-law. case in some way? And if yeah. you've ever talked to Carolyn, you know her daddy's a U.S. Marshal. Uh-huh. And he's from Mountain Brook, and he was the man on the chase okay. this day. I guess Mountain Brook is not too far from that correctional facility in Bessemer, so maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe it's a regional well, I know, thing. Yeah, with... just that he's North Alabama okay. Marshall. But... So thank you, Marshall Keeley, for your hard work. Very, very. In this case. Yeah, thank you. And thank you so much. Be safe out there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And hello, Hubie, if you're listening. Does Hubie <laughs> listen to the show? I mean, I just can't imagine, but uh, maybe he does. I'm going to give him hell if he doesn't <laughs> the next time I see him. Is he in town this weekend? Or... He, he was, Okay. Yeah. They're right. probably headed home today. Probably so. All right. Probably. Jackass, he didn't even say hi. Oh, that's okay. That's Hubie for uh, you. That's Hubie for you. Uh, And so, you know, the sheriff, Sheriff Singleton in Lauderdale County said, look, everybody was just absolutely devastated by this. It was obviously a jailhouse romance. A lot of questions still to be uh, determined. They'll never know what caused Vicki White to do this. No, we'll never get all of the answers because we're only going to have his side of the story. And I just don't trust completely his side of the story. I don't either. I would love to be able to have Vicki here, not only for her to be alive and not, to be Certainly. Dead, you know, but I would also for her to get some help. It sounds like Vicky was struggling, and Vicky needed Vicky yes. needed something. There was something. And it, does, it, did, it it was not happening for her. Yeah, and what a tragedy to be such a respected. Yeah, definitely a hole in her life that she chose to fill with a Bonnie and Clyde uh, blaze of glory. Goodness, ending. Mm-hmm. So, and my and my heart just goes out to her mother, her family. Mm. I'm so sorry. And everybody back and, at Lauderdale honestly, County Jail. Casey's mother, it, it's got to be very, very hard for his mother to to have to deal with this. And yeah. you've seen it around Facebook. You've seen it around the news. I mean, they became memes overnight. Certainly. And, and just the butt of every joke going on here in the state mm-hmm. of Alabama on social media, it was it was all over the place. Yeah. And, and it, it was, it's so unfortunate. It's so hurtful because... You know, their family seeing that. Yeah, and, and Casey White's mother said at one point in one of the stories 
uh, that I read about this. She said that her heart certainly goes out to Vicki White's mother because she mm-hmm. said, I hurt as bad as they do because my son was involved in this and he's my son and I love him and I hate this for them and I feel as bad about this as they do. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Um, I in that. And that's, uh, I think, do I have a shout out this week? I can't remember. Did you I did. talk you to you about one? You and said you had a shout out for this week. Oh, that's right. It's, uh, I'm going to, I'll look it up and do it the next time because I will have to check my notes, but we've got a new listener. It's uh, Tara who works over at Easy Street. Her daughter was bored over there last week and she saw our advert on the TV screen mm-hmm. and she said, Hey mom, what's that? And Tara gave her the short version. And so she downloaded it on her phone and listened to a couple of episodes right there while she waited for her mother to get off work. How about it? And I'll look that up in just a minute. Aiden we'll do it on Cruz. The, Aiden Cruz. A-I-D-Y-N. Did I get that right? That's what you put. That's right. I, I made sure that I got the spelling right from Tara. So Aiden Cruz, thank you. Uh, 13 years old from Collinsville. Well, thank you for listening. We have a new listener. We're sorry when uh, Mr. Scott cusses. Yeah. yeah shit. We sorry. Are sorry. <laughs> we are very sorry about that. Uh, and don't forget, Aiden, if you're going to really be a fan, you have to go on to uh, Apple iTunes and give us a five-star review and leave us a comment so that it hits... So we know that it was you that gave us the five we stars. We know that it was you, and we'll uh, we'll give you a T-shirt if we can find thank them in so the box much. in the back, guys. That's all I have today. Well, thank you, Scott. Awesome, Scott. That, yeah, that was great, and and more to come. I'm sure we'll give an update Updates, obviously. as these core dates happened. And I love that. I love that we'll be able to bring that back around. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I purposefully came into this case a little bit dumb, so I learned a lot of new things from well, you today. I'll I'll uh, return the favor the next time we do one. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>